At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. A-Rod and I host a show called The Deal, and it's all about the intersection of sports, business, and culture. Recently, we got to sit down with Stephen A. to talk about something a little different for him his business. If I had to crystallize where business came to the forefront of my mind was when I got fired in 2009. There's a difference between making money and learning business. Listen to The Deal wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards. Like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. First things first, this is about truth-telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what No Mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah! This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Breath taking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of No Mercy with yours truly, Stephen A. Smith, coming at you as I love to do every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Check your local listings, search your podcast. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll see No Mercy. You know, I alluded to this the other day when I did Wednesday's show in the aftermath or approaching the aftermath of the election. I was talking about names like Kyrie Irving because I had sports on my mind. And that's sports on my mind for a different reason. That's sports on my mind, ladies and gentlemen, because I have several pet peeves. I truly do. And one of the pet peeves I have is when I see athletes being treated in a fashion I believe should be reserved for politicians. You see, an athlete, as I said on Wednesday's podcast, An athlete doesn't raise my taxes or lowers them. An athlete doesn't welcome or prevent the arrivals of millions of immigrants on our borders. An athlete isn't the one that causes inflation. An athlete isn't the one that instigates a recession. An athlete isn't the one that proliferates the crime that exists in 
our cities, our counties, our states throughout this country. Literally speaking, if you really, really want to know, they just ball. I didn't say it's always good because sometimes as a person covering sports, let me assure you, there's some bad ball players out there. There's some that can't play worth a damn. There's some that don't put in the work that they should put in. There's a few that take their gifts entirely for granted and they make me sick. And then there are great ones. And I'm going to throw out a few of those names for you. Ladies and gentlemen, you can say what you want. Kevin Durant went healthy. As far as I'm concerned, is the best player on the planet Earth. The most unstoppable offensive force. He is unguardable. You are either too short, too slow, or too unskilled to deal with this brother. He is something special. LeBron James, 20th year in the league. 20th year in the league. And can still average 30 in his sleep. It's a damn shame he's playing for the Lakers. I mean, my God. They are an atrocity. An atrocity. I mean, some nights the Lakers are so bad, I feel they should be arrested for impersonating basketball players. That's how bad they look sometimes. Just straight garbage. But that's just out west. Here on the east side, I was in Brooklyn on Wednesday night. I swore to the world. I was moving forward. I wasn't going to focus on the past. I wasn't going to do that. I was looking forward. I know you've been moribund. I know you've been pathetic. I know you've been sticking up the streets of New York City for decades. I know that James Dolan is one of, if not the worst owner this city has ever seen. But I said, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to move forward. I'm not going to think about the past. And the New York Knicks, ladies and gentlemen, in their first 10 games of the season before Wednesday night, they had scored about 1,150 points and they had given up. 1,150 points. They gave up the exact same amount that they scored. They were 5-0 and against teams they were favored against and were 0-5 against teams they were labeled the underdog against. Now, to some people, that's the epitome of mediocrity. To me, it was, okay, you are beating the teams you're supposed to beat. You're losing to the teams you're supposed to lose to. They seem happy to be playing in New York. Hey, that's a culture thing. We're moving forward. And they always play Brooklyn tough. And Kyrie Irving was suspended. And Jacques Vaughn is the new coach. Got the interim tag stripped from him. It ain't even maybe don't go over there coaching like we all thought it was going to be. New York Knicks got a chance. I went down the block for a slice of pizza. I came back, ladies and gentlemen, and the New York Knicks were down 30. 30. I really try to hide and disguise the level of misery that they caused me. I don't like to show this side of myself because when it comes to the Knicks, I'll openly admit I'm a bit unstable. I'm not all there. 
because I'm emotional. No matter how loud I get, no matter how demonstrative and bombastic I may appear to be from time to time, my emotions are in check, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just a loud dude sometimes. But when it comes to the Knicks, that touches on my emotional strings. It's not a joke to me. The president of basketball operations for the New York Knicks is somebody that I've known for over 20 years in Leon Rose. His right-hand dude is a guy by the name of William Wesley, Worldwide West, who I love. It's my brother. And we go back over a quarter century. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't talk to them. It's pushing just to say hi and bye because that's how disgusted I get when I see things that go awry. Like, for example, one of the reasons why the New York Knicks are not that great, solid, improved culture, guys who work hard, play hard, et cetera, et cetera. But they're devoid of a star. You see, that wouldn't matter to me as much if you didn't have a chance to get Donovan Mitchell. But you had an opportunity in your past because you didn't want to surrender five picks to get him, along with R.J. Barrett, who I like, by the way. And so what does Donovan Mitchell do? Donovan Mitchell shows up in Cleveland and in like 10 or 11 games he's played for the Cleveland Cavaliers, he scores, he has scored over 30, every single one of them with the exception of one game. Dropping 38 one night, 37, another night, 35, another night, 31, another night, 33, another night. The brother is an MVP candidate. The Cleveland Cavaliers are suddenly a title contender. And Donovan Mitchell is on another team. This is what the New York Knicks do to me. It's what they do to me. And I got this philosophy, you know. Knicks first, New York always. Knicks first, New York always. Knicks first, New York always. That's my belief, y'all. It's what I feel. I'm going to root for the Knicks first. New York always, which means that when the Knicks are sticking up the joint or they're struggling, I'm going to flow with the Nets. So what happens? Kyrie goes out and gets himself suspended. Anti-Semitic tropes that exist in the film is something this brother decides. I'm going to put the link to that on my Twitter page. Creates an uproar in the Jewish community. The Anti-Defamation League gets involved. Kyrie fails once at issuing an apology. He fails twice at issuing an apology. And then afterwards, all of a sudden, he gets suspended. And after he gets suspended, then he issues a written apology. But nobody's seen his behind since. Why does this rake my nerves? Outside of the fact that I'm a native New Yorker and I root for the Knicks first in New York always, here's the other reason. Guess who the hell I picked to represent the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals? It would happen to be the Brooklyn Nets. And I picked them literally saying, first, Steve Nash going to get fired or let go as the coach. And secondly, Emei Udoka is going to be there to coach. But guess what? That gets messed up too. Because Emei Udoka, the former coach for the Boston Celtics, who took them to the NBA Finals last year in his very first year as a rookie head coach, Got himself mixed up with some salacious kind of controversy because evidently he had an inappropriate relationship. Now, they say it was consensual, 
but it violated organizational policy. Nevertheless, they suspend him. They don't fire him. They cut half his salary, not entirely. They don't allow him to coach, but they still kept him on board in their employ. And so the Brooklyn Nets say, hey, he was an assistant coach here before he went there. We'll take him. And then the Kyrie Irving situation happens. And because the Kyrie Irving situation happens, it was too much dysfunction and too much of a mess for Ime Udoka to come to Brooklyn. Because how can you bring Ime Udoka to the Brooklyn Nets while that matter is still being investigated and probed by some, including the league office and all of this other stuff? How could you bring him there to Brooklyn with all of this Kyrie mess and a level of dysfunction that is sifted through the franchise like a damn virus? So everywhere I turn, life is hard. My Knicks, every time there's a scintilla of hope about them, they stink up the joint like they did Wednesday night. The Nets, they put General Hospital and Young and the Restless to shame with the damn soap opera stuff they got going on with them. Why do I even bother going to L.A.? They just flat out stink. I mean, they're so bad, you can't blame the smog nor the funk on the streets of L.A. without looking at the Lakers. That's how stink they are. In the year 2022, they can't shoot. So I can't go to L.A. because of them. I can't regress and say, okay, let me settle for the consolation prize. That's the Clippers, because even though they beat up on the Lakers like they did Wednesday night, beating the Lakers for the ninth straight time, and 33 are like the last 40 contests they've had against one another, Kawhi Leonard ain't healthy. And so because of that, I mean, hell. And if I wanted to go to the Bay Area, go fly to Northern California, the Warriors are struggling. I mean, you just can't make this up. You just can't make this up. I'm still going to hold out hope for the Nets. I'm still going to hold out hope for the Golden State Warriors. The hell with the hope for the Lakers. I give up. This season is going to be officially over by Thanksgiving. But there are still a lot of good teams in the NBA. You might sit up there and say, Stephen A., are you sure that's all that's going on here? It's all about the Knicks or it's all about Brooklyn or it's all about L.A.? Well, yeah. Because, ladies and gentlemen, the best team in the Western Conference right now is the Utah Jazz. Being coached by a rookie head coach and Will Hardy is doing an outstanding job. I'm sorry if it seems inappropriate to say this, but do I look like somebody that wants to spend my May or June in Utah? I'm not apologizing. My producer's looking at me. Yeah, sit down. Get over it. I'm not apologizing for not wanting to be in Utah looking at the beautiful mountains in June. No. I ain't that enamored with going to the Mile High City either in Denver. I like Dallas. Not the Cowboys. The city. I like Dallas. Phoenix is not so bad. Worried about the Coyotes in Mike Wilbon's backyard. But Phoenix is all right. But am I rooting for Golden State Brooklyn? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. On the east side, do I look like somebody that want to be in Milwaukee? I love Giannis. I'm going to ask you again. Do I look like somebody that want to be in Milwaukee, Wisconsin? Only thing I care to know about Milwaukee is that it's two hours from Chicago. And I only care about Chicago in the months from May to September. Any other months, too damn cold for me. 
Miami, I'm always, always rooting for Miami. Always. I just start shivering with joy when I think about Miami. Brooklyn. Boston's close enough to New York, I guess. So is Philly. Wouldn't mind Atlanta being up in there. I like the ATL. Love the ATL. But I don't know if they're getting that far. There's a lot to unpack about what's going on in my mind as it pertains to the National Basketball Association. So when I want to unpack stuff on my mind about the NBA, I go to my reliable sources. One of them is coming on next. He is a champion on every level he has ever played the game of basketball. One of the greatest point guards in the history of basketball. He's also my buddy and an NBA analyst for TNT and NBA TV. He is the great one himself, Isaiah Thomas. And he's up next on No Mercy with Stephen A. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? It is, my, it is always my honor and, my, and a privilege to talk to my next guest here. Ladies and gentlemen, he was a champion on a collegiate level. He's a two-time champion on the NBA level. He's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the greatest point guards in the history of basketball. He's on TV in this day and age giving NBA analysis, NBA TV, TNT, all this other stuff. Plus, he's an entrepreneur. We're going to talk about all of that. I'm talking about the one and only Isaiah Thomas is here with me right now. What's up, Big Tom? How are you, man? How's everything? I am great, and thank you, and it's an honor to be on your show. Man, please, always, always. You know, before I get in, in basketball, I, I, I like to start off by asking what are you doing these days. That Usually that's just a generic question that I throw out to people. But with you, it, it's anything but generic because, I, I mean, I, I don't know what. Uh, listen, last I remember one time I found out that you was one of, if not the largest popcorn distributor in the country. What the hell is Isaiah Thomas doing these days in the business world? Tell me that. Well, in the business world, we, we've actually become the largest black-owned champagne company in the U.S. Wow. And actually the largest American-owned champagne company in the U.S., Sherline Champagne. And I want to thank everybody for their support and uh, going out and purchasing Sherline Champagne. And the next space I'm in is the hemp industry, where we we're taking uh, industrial hemp with the, the auto industry uh, to help them reduce their carbon footprint. Also, uh, several packaging spaces to help them reduce their carbon footprint, replacing plastics with the use of hemp out of One World Products and Isaiah International. Wow. Isaiah International. You know, I, I mean, when you think about what you've accomplished in your career, clearly you, you prepared for life beyond the court of play, beyond being on a basketball court. How do you feel as you look at these athletes today? And you see the business savvy and the business acumen they're exercising, or in some cases, lack thereof. In some cases, guys like LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and others are flourishing, Steph Curry as well. What do you make of today's generation of players and what they're doing in the business world? I, I absolutely love it. Um, because when, you know, when we started in the 80s, um, one of our goals was to basically become one of the, the first generations to move into 
um, multitudes in terms of not just being a basketball player, but, you know, having the world look at you as a, as a total person, as a citizen, uh, as a business person, and as a family man, as, as, you know, someone that not just puts on a jersey, but look at us holistic. And what this generation has been able to do is basically build off of all the things that we laid down in the Players Association, getting back their group licensing, understanding who they are as not only players, but also business people and having access to the business Mm -hmm. community. And they've Mm -hmm. taken it to a totally different level than what we were able to take it to because they have, A, they have more cash, they have more opportunities, but the key is they recognize the opportunities that they have. It's interesting that you say that because, Zeke, one of the things is it's like a double-edged sword. And you and I have known each other for decades. You've been a wonderful friend and big brother to me throughout the years. I love you to death. You know that. And and the thing about it is, is that I look at the game and where it once was. And I look at how it's evolved. And I think about the contributions of so many people, you know, the Oscar Robertsons of the world and what they did for the game as members of the Players Association and the battles that they fought. People will forget that you're the former president of the Players Association and some of the battles that you fought for guys to be in the position that they're in and to get to where they are today. But there was a focus and an attention on being great. You had to win to get the kind of money and the true glory back in the days that you got. In today's generation, one of the things that some folks might lament is the fact that you don't have to win at all to get the bag. You don't have to win at all to get the endorsement deals and to build that financial portfolio and to be as successful. So in a roundabout way, while I'm sure you're proud of all that you've done and the Players Association has done throughout the decades to help players get to this point, do you find yourself sometimes scratching your head at what little has to be accomplished in the realms of winning in order for guys to achieve the level of financial success? Beautifully said and beautiful question. Um, you know, what What we used to get for winning, now you get for joining. <laughs> so if you, if you are a member of the NBA and you join the 450, um, you know, then, then all of that endorsements, money, access, is available to you. So that's why I I really applaud and marvel at the guys who are still thirsty, hungry, and want to achieve and try to win championships. You know, a guy like Steph Curry, Giannis, you know, LeBron, Kevin Durant, you know, those four guys, you know, they they seem to never be satisfied. And they're always trying to win, always trying to reach the next level. Uh, so I admire those guys because, you know, that, that just shows a, a lot of uh, self-determination, a lot of self-discipline that they have internally that, you know, a lot of players in the league, and, and we can name off some of them, we don't have to, yep. but they're happy to just join and be a part of the NBA, but not necessarily looking to win. Because these guys we just named, if they never win again, you know, they, their money, their lifestyle is set in stone. So there's really no incentive for them to get better 
only the self-imposed incentive that they have on themselves. So based on what you just explained, who would you classify in the year 2022 as the most important player in the NBA? Ooh. The most important, I, I, I couldn't say one, which is good, um, because there was a, I, I would have to say, you know, these, these four guys in terms of Durant, James, Curry, Giannis, I would, I would say those four, and I say them for different reasons. What Kevin Durant has done the next generation of players, the next generation of big men, they will all be compared to him. And you can see the influence and impact that he's had on the game. When you look at the kid, Victor, who's coming in from France, yes. who, you know, plays a style of play, has an imagination that big men never had. So Kevin Durant has left his mark on the game in a major, major way. Giannis has left his mark on the game in terms of internationally what he's been able to do coming in, not being the number one star player on the team, but developing and growing over the years. And he's given all the international uh, players uh, an opportunity to dream, be better, and not only be better, but be MVPs of our league, like a Jokic. Mm -hmm. Then you look at what Steph Curry has done. Uh, as a smaller player, I think what he's done in terms of shooting the basketball, stretching the imagination of younger players, younger people who I would say who are our size, you know, he's given everyone an opportunity to think that not only can they play, but they can be very impactful, you know, when they play. And LeBron James is in the, I put him in a category by himself because I don't know, uh, if you can single out any one thing that he's good at, he's very good at a lot of things. And consequently, he has impacted and touched every, you know, stat sheet and every stat in all game, you know, from rebounds to points to assists. Uh, so when it's all said and done, these four guys in this generation, they will be, you know, the guys that people are imitating just as magic was at the point guard, just as I was at the point guard. Mm -hmm. I think what Steph Curry has done is taken it to a whole nother level than what I was able to take it to as small people. And you look at the Durants, they've been able to take it further than what a guy like magic can take it in terms of size. I don't disagree with any of those names you brought up, but I would have said Giannis for this one reason. He's younger than the rest. He's a champion. And his game has improved exponentially. He has a level of hunger and an unwillingness to befriend the competition, per se, which I know touches you in a special way because he ain't try to hug one another and sing Kumbaya and hang out in the offseason. And, and, and he's trying to take you out. And you know this. You know this. And he keeps coming. And to be somebody that couldn't shoot three throws and then he can shoot three free throws. And somebody that couldn't shoot a jump shot, but he'll take them anyway. And a level of coverage that he's shown in that regard. That's why I would say Giannis. But let's, let's go to on the court right now because when I think about LeBron, I'm getting sadder each day. The Lakers 
are horrible because they can't shoot. It's not that they can't play. They can't shoot. And if you, you know, when Isaiah Thomas was playing, you had Microwave Johnson coming off the bench. You had Dumas in the back starting backcourt with yourself. Bill Lambert could shoot jumpers from the elbow. We know that or the key. You know, you, you had cats like Mahorn and Sally and Rodman all played their position, played their roles. Mark Aguirre, Adrian Dantley before him. The list goes on and on. I'm trying to figure out how in the year 2022, LeBron James could be a part of a squad where I can't point to one damn shoot on the squad. Unless you want me to say Austin Reeves. It, this might be the worst season of LeBron James' career. You're watching. You're covering the games. You see this, Isaiah Thomas. Have you ever seen LeBron in a worse situation? No. Even when he first came into the league with Cleveland, uh, you know, he, he had, you know, better, better players that suited him. Um, no, I've never seen him in a worse situation. Um, and it's sad, as you said, watching him in this situation because he's at the end of his career. And normally, this may be the first time, Stephen A., that I can think of a player of his magnitude that has a chance to, you know, play on a championship team and perform. No one is calling and saying, Hey, we should trade this guy to another team. We should, we should do what's best for him. Normally, normally the, the best player who's like that, right? There, there are opportunities, teams that want them. I think LeBron's in a very difficult place right now because because of his age, because of who he is, the status that he carries, he may not fit damn near anywhere right now when you talk about winning championships. So the Lakers did not do a good job in putting players around him. And I still don't understand why they broke up their championship team that they yeah. won with. I mean, they, they had shooters. Yes, <laughs> you know? Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, Kyle, Kyle Kuzma. These guys can shoot from the perimeter. You know, Brandon Ingram was gone. You traded Brandon Ingram for Anthony Davis, but you didn't have to make those trades for Russell Westbrook. No, you you had you had shooters, and and I and this is where I say you know a lot falls back on management because I know when I was sitting in the president's chair running a team, or even when you know anybody sitting in a chair running a team. You know, the player can always make suggestions, but you never say to the player, okay, it's your decision. Right. <laughs> you know, right. And, and it appears what has happened in L.A. is that they acquiesced and said to the player, okay, it's your decision. We'll do what you want us to do. Now, there, there has to be some give and take, but at the end of the day, the person who's sitting in the seat his ultimate job and responsibility is to make the call. I went on the airwaves, Zeke. For those of you listening on this No Mercy podcast with Stephen A. Smith, yes, Isaiah Thomas, I call him Zeke. A lot of us call him Zeke. Zeke, I made the proposal because obviously LeBron James can't be traded this year. He can't be traded till the offseason. But the belief is I went on a record. I said I'd move him. I'd trade him. And see what pieces I can get for him because he's box office still. And as a result, revenue that he's going to generate for a franchise. And if you've got some pieces there with them, you could be competitive, et cetera, et cetera. But I would definitely trade Anthony Davis. 
I would try to move him to Golden State for even Klay Thompson and, and Draymond Green. If I'm Russell Westbrook, if I'm the Lakers, I would move him to someplace like Charlotte uh, for, for uh, Terry Rozier and Gordon Haywood or to Indiana for uh, Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. It would be one or the other. I would do that, Zeke, would you? You, you have to get better. And clearly, you know, unfortunately, the only the only valuable piece that the Lakers has have that people may be interested in is Anthony Davis, uh, yeah. that he he gives them the opportunity to get better and to make changes. Um, but I would say to you, go to state and giving up Clay Thompson. <laughs> you can you can you can Steph Steph Curry. Steph Curry will retire before Clay Thompson is straight. Well, I would say this to you. They know they can't pay everybody. You got Moody to pay. You got Wiggins you just paid. You just paid Jordan Poole. You got Draymond Green uh, that's entering a player option after this season. Neither him nor Clay believe they're going to be in Golden State long term. Why not roll the dice and take that chance? That's just be me. But I hear what you're saying because Steph Curry would have a heart attack. Yes. I, I can't. I can't imagine – Steph without clay. I mean, you know, that's they like go together. They like peanut yeah. butter and jelly. You know, you can't yeah. they they work. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Who's the best team in the West in your estimation right now? Uh, so the best team, right? Okay. You're going to be surprised when I say this, and I'm going to give you, you know, my definition of team. Teams that play together, work together, move the basketball, set screens. Okay. Don't care who shoots. Don't care who scores points. All they're doing is trying to execute the game plan and win. Okay. That is the Utah Jazz. Oh, Lord. I knew you were going to say that. They're in first place. They're in first place in the Western Conference. I know that, but we know that's not going to last, Zeke. Come on, man. Come on. I didn't say it was going to last. You asked me who was the best team right now. Okay, okay. From a team standpoint, in terms of playing together, sharing the basketball, moving, executing, game plan, it's Utah. Will Hardy's doing a hell of a job. First-year head coach at Utah. Doing a hell of a job. Yeah, I mean, and, and you got to give the players a lot of credit for, you know, they don't have a star necessarily, so... They've been forced to work as a team. And, you know, that's an old-fashioned concept that, you know, Big House Gaines and everybody believed in, you know, <laughs> move right. the basketball, share it. State, yep. <laughs> yeah, you know, him and Coach Knight, you know, share the basketball, play together, you know, you, mm-hmm. you can win the game. Utah is doing that. Now, can they do it for 82 games? Probably not. Right. So I would say the, the potentially the best team in the West, if – Kawhi Leonard gets healthy. Oh, Lord. You know what? If if I was 20 years younger, I'd have my, my hairline would be two feet forward, Isaiah. I mean, that's asking a lot with this dude. He's never healthy. Yeah, so if but if he if he's if he's ready to go, the Clipper, the Clippers to me have the best talent. Now, can they can they put it all together? Can they stay healthy and win? That's another thing. But if I had to put my money on anybody right now, I would say the Denver Nuggets. Mm. Because of Jamal Murray being back, Michael Porter Jr. being back with Jokic. They got some depth. I got it. Caldwell Pope's there. And Jamal Murray is looking better and better every game. I I see Dallas. I see Phoenix. Definitely the Clippers of Kawhi Leonard. To me, if if Kawhi Leonard is healthy, 
The Clippers are the number one threat in the West, but I'm not phased by the struggles that the Golden State Warriors have had as a recent because I'm like, you're trying to matriculate the young dudes into the equation. Wiseman, I mean, he was starting and getting benched and all of this other stuff. Not great. I got that. I understand it, but Moody, Wiggins, Klay Thompson's going to be better. They're championship tested. As long as they go into the postseason healthy, they could be a sixth seed, and I still think they'd be a nightmare for everybody, Zeke. Yeah, all that is true, but a lot a lot will have to change and get better, um, and we give that to them because they're champions. Uh, but what I'm seeing now, honestly, is, is shocking and alarming for a defending champion a defending champion, the first ten games to get off to this kind of start. Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, normally they they don't come out the gate this poorly as the defending champs. Now we're hoping that they can come back, but I'm not sure if they can defensively if they can ever get that grit back. You know, yeah. they they give up a lot of points. Now they score a lot of points. They look pretty and everything else. But at the end of the day, you know, people are coming in saying, I'm going to get my numbers on Golden State, just like Golden State don't get their numbers on me. Yeah. So it's a shootout every night. I mean, we just watched them with Sacramento. Steph Curry had to have one of those miraculous games that he's capable yeah. of having. But if he don't have that game, they lose at home to Sacramento. That's true. Drop 47 on Sacramento, save the day, no doubt about it. Let me transition to the Eastern Conference. You know, before the season began, I had the Brooklyn Nets representing the East. I know Milwaukee's better. I know Philly with Harden was supposed to do a little something. Miami went to the conference finals. Boston's the reigning Eastern Conference champions. We get all of that. But the Ime Udoka thing, I thought was going to scale them back a touch, even though Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are those studs. But I just looked at Brooklyn and I said, Steve Nash is not going to be here. They're going to change course. They did. I thought Ime Udoka would be here, but they just recently announced that Jacques Vaughn got the interim tag stripped off of him and he'll be the head coach for the remainder of the season. Uh, we all know the controversy that Kyrie Irving has found himself embroiled in. Before I even ask you about the Brooklyn Nets, give me your thoughts about Kyrie Irving and the situation he's found himself in right now. What are your thoughts about that? So I, I want everybody to go back to a tweet that I made before the season started. And I said, I am personally rooting for two players in the NBA <clears throat> this year, Russell Westbrook and Kyrie Irving. This was before the season started because I knew those two would be under attack, under tur in turmoil and everything else, because that's just how it goes. Now, Kyrie's situation. I love Kyrie. I don't think he's a hateful person. I don't think he's mean-spirited. Uh, I don't think he dislikes, you know, any race or group of people. Mm -hmm. I see Kyrie on a personal journey to find out who he is in America. And unfortunately, we as classified Black people in the United States of America when we go back to try to find our history, it's, it's disjointed. It's, it's, it's not, it's not there half the time. And you can be misled or find different things about, about yourself, about your family that you didn't know. Uh, but 
you know, for us, it's always a personal journey. And, and for those who understand nationality, right? So we have Irish Americans, we have Greek Americans, we have Italian Americans, and they can go back and point to their homeland where their grandmother, grandfather, and everyone else is from. We as classified black people in the United States, we have been stripped of that. So I'm, I'm one of the, the ones, Stephen A., who had to get Negro removed from my birth certificate. And mm-hmm. I don't know if, if you, you're probably young enough where they didn't put Negro on your birth certificate. They did not. They but, did not. you know, in the early 70s, 80s, and even in the 90s, they were telling you that we had to go back to the hospitals, go back to, you know, the Cook County office in Illinois to get your birth certificate changed and have them take Negro off your birth certificate because what Negro meant. So, you know, all, all journey in this country is different. And Kyrie, you know, bless his heart, is on a personal journey to find and seek knowledge of who he is and where he comes from. And I don't think and he's hateful or anything like that. I want to say this for the record with, this, or with you on this podcast. You know, I've had my beef and my differences with Kyrie Irving. I do not believe he's a bad person. I do not believe he has malice or evil intent. I do not mean, I do not think he means to hurt people. I do believe, however, that as he continues to learn more about himself and strives to educate and edify himself, unlike somebody like you, who I've known for decades, and you'll share what you've learned, you'll ask questions, you'll be inquisitive. Kyrie's mistake in my mind is that he comes across as someone who knows what you don't know. And as a result, when you speak, you're talking as if you know, and you're talking as if, as if other people are ill-informed. And with this latest situation he got himself in, well, the Jewish community has its faith, and they certainly don't believe what he tweeted about and what he appeared to co-sign. And he came across as somebody who knows what most of us doesn't know, as opposed to being apologetic and while acknowledging, look, I'm trying to learn and I don't know and I made a mistake, and I think that's ultimately what got him in trouble. Yes. Key, key word, you, you said mistake, right? And, and yes, he, he made a mistake. And, and, and by the way, in this industry of sports and entertainment, all of us, all of us, all of us are connected, work with, have Jewish friends, you know, mm-hmm. hang out, eat with, I mean, you know, so they're, you know, all, all cultural racial lines intersect in sports and entertainment in a variety of ways. So there's no there's no malice or hate. So I definitely want to put that out there. Sure. But like but the thing that the word that you used was mistake. And when when we are all on our personal self journey for knowledge and to know thyself, right? we are going to stumble across some information that we, we make a mistake with or we, 
we may believe in or, or have to figure out that's part of the education. That's part of the journey. Now, the one thing I do know about education, you know, they talk about input and output. So when you find things that you are interested in and you think that you have found knowledge, everyone looks at that and you say, okay, that's the input. Now the output is, okay, I want to share that. I want to share that with, with my friend. Hey, Stephen A., look what I just found out and what you, what you think. I mean, and unfortunately for Kyrie, the mistake he made, again, was, you know, putting that on this platform, but it allowed people to infer what his beliefs may be and infer what his thoughts may be because he is a public figure and he does play in the NBA and he does have a large following. So mm -hmm. it's apparent. And I think he's made it clear that he doesn't share those beliefs and he's not anti-Semitic. He, he did. So with that being said, do you think he recovers from this um, in time, in time to save Brooklyn season? I think he recovers from this. I got Brooklyn and Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals with a wow. hard fight against Boston. Uh, so those, those three are my, my three Eastern Conference finalists. Uh, what Jacques Vaughn has done defensively for the yeah, Brooklyn over the Nets. Over the last four games. Number one. They went from the worst team to the best team defensively. Although Washington, Charlotte, Dallas, and the New York Knicks were the competition. Yeah, and they got pros. <laughs> <laughs> they got they got pros on their team. So, <laughs> so I, I and I and I and I say this: the the defensive change in attitude and scheme. And and Stephen A. As as you played and you played for one of the greatest coaches ever. You know, it's not always about the talent. It's more so about the schemes that you can, you know, implement defensively and offensively that makes you effective. Right. Brooklyn had a poor defensive scheme that Jacques Vaughn has totally changed overnight and they've bought in. I don't see them, you know, uh, unnecessarily helping. I see lockdown, one-on-one -on -one defense. I see Durant now understands that you know, how he dominates the game with his scoring ability, he can dominate it on the defensive side too. And, you know, when you look at what Brooklyn has in, in, the, in the tempo now that they're playing at, so they're playing at a slower tempo. Jock Vaughn is calling plays from the sideline. He's controlling the tempo like a good point guard does. Jock was a point guard, so he That's understands right. tempo and how to control the game. They're not coming down taking crazy shots. They're working for good shots. They're getting the ball in their best player's hands, and he doesn't have to go one-on-one. -on -one. He's making plays for everybody else. Now, when you add Kyrie back to that mix, now you got offensive, you know, firepower plus defensive chemistry. So, hey, don't sleep on Brooklyn. If they get past this, this, this little storm with Kyrie, which they should, uh, you know, then he comes back, he gets into play, and I, I think Brooklyn, Boston, Milwaukee, those are the three teams. I think I got uh, two things to add to that. Number one, I think they need additional big body. I think they're too thin on their front line. They need somebody with girth, um, whether it's a banger that can score like a DeMarcus Cousins, 
or somebody else big or whatever. They need some help on their front line. They need some girth. Number two, I'm wishing Jacques Vaughn nothing but the best. He's been around the league a long time as a player, played about a decade in the league, 12 years, been an assistant, San Antonio, been in Brooklyn and other places. Um, I got a lot of respect, a lot of love for him. But I am sick to my stomach that Ime Udoka is not the head coach of the Boston or, or the Brooklyn Nets. I would have liked to have seen him in the in, in, back in the league as a coach. And I want to state this for the record. The reports say, because that's all we can go on. We can't say anything else. The reports say it was a consensual relationship that violated organizational policy. Well, the Boston Celtics ain't the Brooklyn Nets. So he didn't violate no organizational policy with the Brooklyn Nets. And it comes down to the fact that what he did in one year, Brad Stevens couldn't do in eight. And Brad Stevens was a pretty damn good coach. But he couldn't take Boston to the finals. Ime Udoka did that in one year. Zeke, if this situation with Kyrie doesn't happen, Ime Udoka's the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. So I look at it from that standpoint and I say, I'm hopeful for Jacques Vaughn. I'd be a lot more confident in Brooklyn right now if what I anticipated happening had actually happened. First Steve Nash being gone, and then Ime Udoka being in as head coach. To that, you say what? I say I agree with you. Um, you know, Ime proved himself as a as a you know a great coach, and you know, in the lines of you know kind of what Ty Lue did when he got his shot, um, and. And Stephen A., you and I are both old enough to know that in the United States, what we've seen in sports, entertainment, politics, daily life, this is a very forgiving country. Yes, it is. That allows second, third, fourth chances. Without question. And if you make a mistake and you do the wrong thing at that point or period of time in your life, what I've seen about the United States is the people will say, I forgive you. I give you another chance. Good luck. And we've seen that time and time again in every industry. He may, you know, had bad timing in terms of the Kyrie situation jumping off. But will he be forgiven and get back into the league? Absolutely. Absolutely. I just wish it was in Brooklyn because I had Brooklyn going to the finals and I was, and it was predicated on Ime Udoka being the coach of this franchise. Now I don't know, but I'm still not jumping off the ship. Well, they still might because I, I look at Jock Vaughn and I look at, at him in the same coaching, uh, you know, style as, as a Ty Lue, as a Ime. I mean, Jock has paid his dues. Not only has he paid his dues, but he's learned, he's organized, he knows how to run a team. You know, he, you know, he don't sleep on him just because he got passed over a few times. What I've seen these last four games, hey man, this guy's just as good as any other coach out there. And the players are responding to him in their defensive and offensive schemes is, is, is pretty good, Stephen A., Pretty good. I'm not asking you about the New York Knicks, but it has nothing to do with the fact that you used to run the franchise. It has everything to do with the fact that I'm trying to move forward. I'm trying to be positive, And damn it, them Knicks get on my nerves. Okay? So I'm just not going to ruin my day 
by bringing up the New York Knicks right now who just got blown out by Brooklyn by 30. I'm just going to be nice and I'm going to let that pass. But I will ask you this question overall. Right now, who do you have as a leading candidate for league MVP? Which obviously has nothing to do with the Knicks because they have no MVP candidates on their squad. Who would you have as the leading candidate for MVP right now? Um, well, three. I'm looking at Giannis, Steph Curry, and believe it or not, Kevin Durant. What? What about Luca? What about John Morant? Hey, you ask me. Why you get mad at me, man? <laughs> what is that about? John Morant and Luca Doncic is not in the conversation. Not, not yet. They they got to get wow. there. Wow. You, they, they, you know, hey, let me let me let me see some more. Let me see the end of the season because we talked about winning before, and we talked about you know it not being given. Now, what I like about Luca and Ja is that they're going for it. Let me see the whole season. Let me see how they finish. What I know in Steph, what I know in Durant, and what I know in Giannis. They are proven, they show up, and they can do it. Luca and Ja, I still got to see it. I got to see you <clears throat> dominate the NBA. Right now, you haven't, you're having a good season, but let me see you dominate the NBA. Mm. They haven't dominated it yet. They've, they've had some good games and everything else, but total, total thorough domination. When the NBA players themselves say, Hey, that dude Giannis, yeah, he the best. That dude Kevin Durant, yeah, he the best. That dude Steph Curry, yeah, he the best. Luca, y'all, you know, y'all ain't, ain't no, you know, the 450 haven't anointed them as the best player in their league. And you talk about the 450 as in the 450 NBA players. Yes. When Kevin Durant won MVP, the 450 players or the 449 players say, yeah, that, that dude there, he better than me. <laughs> when, when Steph Curry won his MVP, everybody, they, them, they, yeah, that dude, he better than me. When Giannis got his, you know, jury's still out on Ja and, and Luca. Now they're great players, but can they thoroughly dominate the other 449 players in the NBA? Zeke, man, love you. Appreciate you, man. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule, man. I really appreciate this. Thanks for talking to me. You're welcome, and congratulations on everything that you've done. Keep achieving, brother, and keep setting the bar high. We, we've never had a, a brother like you in sports. And, you know, just thank you for all you do and all that you've done. There, there never was a Stephen A., and glad you're here. Always great to talk to my brother Zeke, the one and only Isaiah Thomas. Although he and Michael Jordan never necessarily got along, Michael Jordan will tell you the two greatest point guards in NBA history is Irvin Magic Johnson and Isaiah Thomas. Won a championship at Indiana playing for Bobby Knight. Won back-to-back championships in the NBA. Beat the Lakers the first go-round. Beat Clyde Drexler, Terry Porter, Jerome Kersey, and, and the rest of the crew in Portland for this second back-to-back titles. Love what points Isaiah brought up. 
about the players of today. Because it's something that rakes the nerves of a lot of people as you look at today's professional athletes. Let's face reality, people. Most folks out there, they don't want to admit it, but part of the reason you're so demanding about the modern-day athlete is because you wish you were them. You wish you had their abilities. You wish you made their money. You're not alone. Most people feel that way. That's not a crime. But that doesn't mean that we should confuse who they are and what they're supposed to be. At the end of the day, if you're Isaiah Thomas, you're Stephen A. Smith, you have a right to want players to ball and commit themselves to that level of excellence since they want all the accolades that come with it. You want the money, you want the endorsement deals, et cetera, et cetera. Back in the day, whether it's the 70s, the 80s, even the 90s, you had to win to get all of that. Isaiah Thomas is absolutely right. Now all you have to do is join. You had to win in the NBA to get those extra dollars from Madison Avenue, other advertising revenue, et cetera, et cetera. Now all you got to do is be a participant in the NBA. One of the beauties about LeBron is LeBron's a four-time champion. You can't take anything away from him. He's a four-time champion who went to 10 NBA finals. There's nothing you can say to him. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Giannis is a champion. Kevin Durant is a two-time champion. Say what you want about Kyrie Irving. Ladies and gentlemen, he doesn't hit that shot over Steph Curry in Game 7 of the NBA Finals. Cleveland doesn't win that chip in all likelihood. LeBron doesn't erase a 52-year curse in the city of Cleveland for any sports franchise, having not won a championship in that period of time. Kyrie Irving helped eradicate that. So he is a champion. We forget it because of all the shenanigans. Missing games for one excuse after another getting themselves suspended, staying away during COVID, security protocols that he instituted because he was caught partying with his family, taking time off because he was traumatized about the riots, the insurrection on January 6th at Capitol Hill. But before all of that, Kyrie Irving was a champion. You want to see champions celebrated. It's not that you don't want to see others celebrated. You just want the road to that level of prosperity to be a bit more difficult to capture. I agree with Isaiah Thomas about that. I shouldn't have to see a bunch of people being celebrated when they haven't won too much. Not never, but not too much. Well, Isaiah Thomas and I really disagree. How the hell he going to sit up there and say Luka Doncic and John Moran ain't on his list for MVP candidates? That makes no sense. Now, Isaiah Thomas is a brilliant basketball mind. My God, that is questionable. He said Giannis, said KD, said Steph Curry. I appreciate all that. Luka Doncic and John Morant should be in that conversation. Without question. And so should Donovan Mitchell. So should Donovan Mitchell. Cleveland is live, y'all. They're a championship contender. Cleveland is live. Milwaukee is live. Boston is live. I still believe in Brooklyn, and I'm not counting out Miami or Atlanta or Philly. That's the Eastern Conference. Western Conference, it's sad what the Lakers are doing to the game of basketball. They're so bad, they're contaminating the sport. Because we're going to see them all over the two, and there's nothing to brag about. And I've been on the record, ladies and gentlemen, I would trade Anthony Davis. I would trade LeBron James next season. I would trade Russell Westbrook. At the very least, at least two of the three. 
I think if you're the Lakers, trade Russell Westbrook for Terry Rozier and Gordon Haywood in Charlotte or trade Terry Russell Westbrook for Miles Turner and Buddy Heald in Indiana. Do it. Anthony Davis is balling. Maximize his value before he gets hurt again. He's averaging 23 and 10. Maximize his value before he gets hurt again. Because you know he's going to get hurt again, right? It's just the way it is. It's who he is. Asking Anthony Davis to stay healthy is like asking me to be quiet. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. It's a challenge. And LeBron James, because of his market value, makes him a potent force to have. That's something that should be explored. I firmly believe that. So I feel adamant about that. And that's important to be said. In the end, the NBA is fantastic. I love talking my basketball. But I got to tell you something. I'm sick and tired of Kawhi Leonard being hurt. I'm sick and tired of the Lakers looking like trash. And I'm excited about what Memphis and Dallas can ultimately become. And Denver. He's right about Denver. Isaiah's right about Denver. I'm a Jamal Murray fan. He's looking better every day. But I'm still going to hold out hope for my Golden State Warriors. I know they're trying to mesh Wiseman, those young thoroughbreds, into the mix. Wiseman seems to have talent but not really know how to play basketball yet. They got to get him going. You can't rely on Klay Thompson, Steph Curry, Jordan Poole, Draymond Green, and those brothers for this year without those young dudes contributing. Can't do it. It won't work. So it's something to be mon- something to monitor. No question about it. As it pertains to the Eastern Conference, to me, it's all about Brooklyn. And when it comes to Ime Udoka, listen, ladies and gentlemen, I in no way am being insensitive to anybody in this mess. I was on the record stating it was foolish for him to put himself in this position. And Ime Udoka, the former coach of the Boston Celtics, still employed by the organization but not coaching, because of the situation that he got himself in, that's self-inflicted stupidity. And there's a price to be paid for that. But I'm on the record saying that certain prices are extreme if the stories are true. Now, if he assaulted somebody, if he harassed somebody, if he did something and engaged in illegal behavior and stuff like that, he's got to be made to pay. No doubt about that. That's not what the reports say. The reports say He was in a consensual relationship that violated organizational policy. Period. Isaiah Thomas talked about second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances that exist in America. We all know that Ime Udoka is going to be coaching again. Why not Brooklyn? I think Brooklyn should have hired him. Coaches like that don't come around every day. Now, I hope that Jacques Vaughn does the job. He's a good man. He's paid his dues. He's been around for a while. But I don't know what he can do. I know what Ime Udoka can do because I saw him do it. I'm going to repeat. In his rookie year, by taking the Boston Celtics to the finals, he did what Brad Stevens, one hell of a coach, who's now the president of basketball operations in Boston, he did what Brad Stevens couldn't do in eight years. I would have hired Ime Udoka. Period. I understand 
that because of Kyrie Irving, you couldn't bring all of that noise because you can't add dysfunction to dysfunction, as Mike Wilbon, my partner in crime over there at ESPN, would say. Famous for part of the interruption every weekday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN with Tony Kornheiser. Mike Wilbon said you can't bring dysfunction to dysfunction. I get all of that. Hell with that. If he broke no laws, if he committed no criminal behavior, and it was just something that violated organizational policy, and it was consensual like the reports say. Ladies and gentlemen, if it were me, I'm hiring Ime Yudoka. And let me go a step further. Do you know what I would have done? If it meant that I had to make a choice and Kyrie Irving had to sit home for the rest of the season so I could have Ime Yudoka for years to come, I'd have hired me Ime Yudoka. Kyrie leaving anyway. This is last season, right? What do I care? I got Kevin Durant locked up for the next three years. I got young thoroughbreds like Watanabe and Cam Thomas and Claxton and these boys. Royce O'Neal is doing a good job for Brooklyn. I hired Ime Udoka, and if I had to, I'm not saying I would have wanted to do it. I'd have tried to have Kyrie Irving for this year because he is spectacular. But if I had to make a choice between the two, I'd have picked Ime Udoka. Because I know Kyrie's leaving this year. And Ime Udoka could be here for years to come. I'd have hired Ime Udoka. That's what I would have done. But I'm not the Brooklyn Nets. I'm not the owner, Josiah. I'm not the GM, Sean Marks. And I think that Jacques Vaughn will do a good job. NBA season is getting very, very interesting. There's always compelling storylines to articulate. What I love most about it, ladies and gentlemen, is that with all of this stuff having happened, as the dust settles, our expectations are being a bit managed. We're not expecting athletes to be saviors in a literal sense. We just want them to ball. Damn it, you're getting all of this money because you got these skills. Put your skills on display. We ain't telling you to shut up and dribble. But I will say this, shut up and tell you dribble. Give me, give me what, I'm signed, what I'm paying for. That hard-earned, the hard-earned money customers pay for. Give us that first. Could you do that? You ain't got to shut up and dribble. But could you at least dribble first? Could you at least give us that? Show up and play because you're great. Let us see that. Monitor what you say. Don't offend other people. Don't offend religious groups and do all of this other stuff. Don't do that. Please don't. Hey, Stephen A., what are you trying to say? What I'm trying to say to you is this. You don't want to hear what I have to say if I didn't do my job first. Whatever those expectations are. That's what we're getting back to now. We ain't talking about shutting up. We ain't talking about not being conscientious. We ain't talking about all of that stuff. We're just saying make sure you do your job. I got the Nets coming out of the East. I ain't running from that. Because I believe Kyrie Irving going to show back up and do his job. I think Kevin Durant going to show up and do his job. I'm believing Jacques Fawn's going to show up and do a hell of a job. And I'm praying I don't have to end up in Milwaukee or Utah. If that touches on your senses to some degree, ladies and gentlemen, I apologize. But damn it, forgive me. There's certain places I prefer to be at in May and June. More so than others. Sorry!
but that's the way it goes. As always, thank y'all for listening to this podcast. There's no me without y'all. Appreciate the love. Appreciate you listening in. And remember, yeah, I just finished talking sports. Had a damn good time doing it too, by the way. Thanks again to the great Isaiah Thomas for coming on as a guest on the show as well. Just never forget what I always tell you to end this podcast. You don't have to know sports to know mercy. Peace and love, everybody. Ahala. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcast. Guess who's got a memoir coming out, ladies and gentlemen? Yours truly, Stephen A. Smith. It's entitled Straight Shooter, and it's available right now for pre-order. I have signed these books, just so you know. So you can visit straightshooterbook.com to order your autographed copy today. In the book, I talk about my life before ESPN, growing up in Hollis, Queens, New York, how sports proved to be my salvation. I talk about some of the mistakes I've made in my life and my impact on the world of sports. The book is called Straight Shooter, and it's written to help motivate you to overcome setbacks that maybe prevent you from reaching your dreams. So go right now and order your autographed copy of my memoir, straightshooterbook.com. Don't wait. It's entitled Straight Shooter. Check it out. Don't miss it. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. A-Rod and I host a show called The Deal, and it's all about the intersection of sports, business, and culture. Recently, we got to sit down with Stephen H. to talk about something a little different for him, his business. If I had to crystallize where business came to the forefront of my mind was when I got fired in 2009. There's a difference between making money and learning business. Listen to The Deal wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards. Like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.